Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Alrighty. So yeah, continuing our Minecraft series today. Um, and it got me thinking about who we are. And I just kind of started wondering, like, who had any, like, cool nicknames growing up? Like, did people give you, like, cool nicknames? Like, I can't even think of examples right now. But I don't remember ever getting a cool nickname, but I self-proclaimed a cool nickname on my own by labelling my first ever email account jcoolcat at hotmail.com. K, uh, cat with a K. Not a C, just like, because it had to be extra cool. You know, just showing everyone. I had that email address for far too long. Um, what about a bad nickname growing up? Anyone have a few, like, not so nice names? My um, dad, I'm pretty sure my entire life, called me Muppet Arms, because uh, I've got little arms. Um, and I'm pretty sure to this day I use it as an excuse as to why I can't do pull-ups or why I can't lift heavy things because oh, I've got Muppet arms, my dad said, like, whatever. But it's funny how although that's a nickname, I've let that define my strength in my upper body. <laughs> I wonder if that nicknames have let, you've let nicknames define you in our lives. The more I've been in church and around people who love Jesus, the more I've actually realised that probably one of the most important things that we can do is discover our true identity in Christ. So if we turn to John 8, then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth, and the truth will set you free. So today I want to talk about knowing our identity in Christ. Because when we do know our identity in Christ and who we are, this can set us free. This can help set our mind free. And for some of you hearing that right now, whether you've been a follower of God for your whole entire life or whether you do not know who God is, the idea of being set free, you just cannot even comprehend. And that is why it's so important to know the truth of who we are so that that truth will set us free. So if I was to ask you, who are you? What, what would you say? Would you jump straight to what you do for work? Would you jump straight to who you were as a kid, like super sporty or active or this, that or the other? Would you jump to being, oh, I'm a husband, I'm a wife, I'm a mum, I play this sport, these are the type of clothes I wear, this is who I am. These all may th- be things that we do, we are, we do work, but What happens when those fade away? Who are you when you are between jobs? Who are you when you fail that uni course again? Who are you if you end up single? What happens when you get injured and you can't do that cool thing anymore? 
What about if you don't have any hobbies or you feel like you don't have any friends left? Who are you then? If we read 2 Corinthians 5 in the Amplified, I apologise. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as as saviour, he is a new creation, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. It's pretty cool. So when, kind of saying that when we are joined with Christ, that is accepting him as our Lord and Saviour, then we are a new creation. We are renewed, but renewed from what? Our previous moral and spiritual conditions, like it said in the verse, that means our previous brokenness, our previous doubts, our previous identity, our previous standards of doing things, our previous expectations on ourselves. So what do I mean by old becoming new and how do we know what this even looks like in our, old, in our own lives? I want to actually turn to a point in Jesus' life where a lot of scholars believe that this is a big moment of him receiving his identity and it being spoken over to him. So... We're going to look in Matthew for a little bit. So if we look at Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, No, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill righteousness. Then John consented and baptized him. And as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So Jesus got his identity spoken over him directly from heaven, from the Holy Spirit. And then straight away, as soon as he found out that, he got sent off into the wilderness for 40 days so that then he could go and do ministry and do what he was called to do. But if we read literally like two verses later in Matthew 4, it says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand at the highest point of the temple. And again, If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So the enemy in that attack, and it keeps going on, but we'll stop there. He didn't just come for Jesus to say mean things. He came for his identity. He said, if you are really the son of God, do these things. Like, that's who you are. Come on. If that was me, I'd probably be like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Like, I'll show you who I am. 
But God knew that he needed to trust God, trust his calling and his identity in God, and he didn't need to prove that to anyone. I want to ask, where do you get your identity from? Is it from heaven? Maybe not a dove coming down, but is it from heaven? Or is it a little closer to, say, earth and people and what they say and their offhanded comments or their mean comments or how they act around you? When I was growing up, and even now, I hold on to things that the world wants to tell me. I feel like when I was growing up, the world told me that because I moved around a lot, that I wasn't worth being loved or worth having friends because I was just going to leave again, so what was the point? The world told me that to fit in or to be good enough, I had to be good at everything, but not too good, otherwise that wouldn't be good either. The world told me I had to look or wear cool clothes to fit in, and that was just... That was too much. I couldn't do that. I'm not even wearing my own clothes today, not going to lie. My housemate has good taste in clothes, unlike me. But, like, the world told me that if my grades weren't good enough, I wouldn't amount to anything. The world told me that if I don't overwork myself, I'll never reach my dreams. The world told me if I don't overwork myself at work, that I'll never be a good physio. I could go on. And I know that you can too. I know you've got those things that the world is pushing down you. But none of those things are true. And none of those are my identity. None of them are your identity. So we need to not hold on to them. When we live out of what the world keeps telling us, we end up burnt out confused, never feeling like enough, because to the world standard, we will never be enough. There will always be something new. So why, why do we continue to listen to what the world has for us when those expectations are just not okay and not achievable, when especially in God's word, he says, if we even just look at 1 Peter 2, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So why do we try and live up to the identity of the world when God then says in Psalms 46, surrender your anxiety, be silent and stop your striving and you will see that I am God. So that's all good and well said, but how do we even do that? What, what does that look like in practicality for us? Because I don't think any of us want to be living with the burden of what the world keeps telling us over those two precious verses that God has for us. But we need to know the truth so that truth can set us free. So I've got three different ideas that I was thinking about and praying about this week that I thought would be really helpful for us as individuals and a community to really know who we are in God. So my first point is that we hang on to the encouragement and the uplifting words people say over us 
and we do the same for others. We be purposeful with our words. So Ephesians 4, 22, talking to the church there, goes on to say, You were told, with regard to your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. We as a collective and individuals can speak truth over people, regardless of whether they even have a relationship with God or not. We can be planting those seeds in other people and who knows what that could even amount to. I remember my very first year, like year nine, of choosing God for myself, not as my family, but as myself. And in that year, I started going to youth and I went to this weekend youth camp. And I remember getting prayed over the person who was coming to speak to us. And I honestly cannot remember at all what he spoke over me, mostly because it was in tongues. But I just remember thinking that, wow, God has a purpose and a plan for me and he loves me and that this is amazing and I can put my trust in him because he loves me. And I went away feeling so good about it. And in that same week, like three days later, I then badly injured my ankle at school playing a sport I didn't even like, mind you. And I was a sporty kid, so that meant a lot to me. And I ended up being on crutches for six weeks. I was such a sporty kid, and I couldn't even walk on my own anymore. I needed these two crutches. I was in so much pain, I didn't even like being around people because I was scared they were going to knock my ankle, and that it would just hurt more, so I tried to isolate myself. Where am I up to? So much pain. Yes. And I just remember thinking, God, where are you? You just told me like three days ago that you love me and that you have a plan and a purpose and that I was going to help people and now I'm injured and I can't, how am I meant to help people I can't even help myself? Because of that injury, we, my mum had taken me to the doctor and stuff, but mum had to take me to a physio appointment and in that appointment, some of you who know me know where this is going, in that appointment, when she was looking at my ankle and doing all these things, Mum was like, oh, Jess, you'd be really good at this. Like, this is something up your alley. Like, you like people, you're sporty, you like the body. This could be really cool. It is now nine years ago since I did that to my ankle. And I've studied four years. And just this year, I graduated from uni and I've just started my work as a physio. (laughs) Yes, it was very exciting. (laughs) So, but I don't know where I would have been without those words. Like, I wouldn't have even thought about it if my mum didn't say just that one little, oh, you'd be good at this. So where could we all be in five, ten years if we just said one little word of encouragement to one other person? My next point is that God has actually given us the ability to choose what we focus on. 
So if we look at 2 Corinthians 10, it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So Caroline Leaf actually says she's a bit of a neuroscience person, Christian in the world. Um, She says, when you objectively observe your thinking with the view to capturing rogue thoughts, you, in effect, direct your attention to stop the negative impact and rewire healthy new circuits into the brain. So, recently, my husband Dan was unemployed for about two or so months He actually just recently got a job offer this week. Praise Jesus. Um, Again, what is the first thing people ask you other than your names when you meet them? Oh, what do you do? What do you do for work? And every single time I could just see him try and put on a brave face, but I could see his heart just sink when he had to say again, oh, I'm currently unemployed, but I am searching for this. And he'd go on and explain the various scenario to whoever the person was, depending on it. And I can tell you that every single time he had to do that, I could see where his mind was going. The world was telling him, hang on, why, aren't you un- like, why are you unemployed? Like, everywhere's hiring at the moment. Everywhere wants work. Why are you looking? Why are you waiting for the right job when you could just have a job? Like, what is with this? And I could see his mind spiralling, thinking, I'm not good enough. But he had to choose. We both had to choose to know doesn't matter what I do for work, that I'm a child of God, that I'm enough regardless of what I do for work, that God has a good plan for me. He's got a good job lined up for me. And we both had to think about that and especially him for so much, even when the job and interviews were failing and there was no's and no's after no's. He had to remember who he was in God and his identity and calling. And the more he did that, the easier it became to then jump into that again instead of, I'm not good enough. So the more we focus on God, the easier it is to focus on God. And lastly, my third point is that God has given us a Bible. I'd be holding up my Bible right now, but it's a bit hard. Um, And Eve, so if we believe in Jesus, that he loves us, we also believe in the Bible, in his word, that it is true and living and active. And I've got to tell you, if you've even read a little bit about it, you will know that there is a lot in that Bible about you. Not you as a collective, but you as an individual. Before we even thought about him, before we even chose him, before we knew him, even before we were born, he was thinking about you, that he loved you. And in Matthew 10, he says, and even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. For everything that the world throws at you, there is a truth written in the Bible about who you are that we can focus on. When the world says you don't belong, God calls you chosen. When the world says you need to be busy to amount to anything, God calls you His child. 
when the world says that you'll never get through this, God calls you strong. When the world says you are unlikable, God calls you His beloved. When the world belittles you and teases you, God says you are unique and important. When you think what you have done is too bad, God says you are forgiven. Your slate is wiped clean. When you think the world's view of you will never change, God calls you empowered. When you feel like an outcast, God says you'll never be alone. When you feel scared, God says you are protected. When you feel like there is no point anymore, God says you were created for a purpose. So if we all just close our eyes right now, some of you are listening to these things and just thinking like, Jess, like I hear you, I know it's in the Bible, but I don't believe it for me. Not for me, maybe for someone else, but not for me. I'm just gonna pray for you right now. So Lord God, we just thank you for your identity over us. We thank you that you love us abundantly, no matter what we do. That before we thought about you, you had desires for us, that you loved us, that you have good for us. Lord Jesus, would we be able to look at you and see love and see our identity in you? Would you be speaking over each and every one of us who you believe we are? Lord God, and would we listen? Would we listen to you and not the world? When the world comes at us, would we turn to you, Lord Jesus, and break the chains of the world and darkness over our lives so we can live in your truth and that truth set us free. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.